0: World that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at DeltaChurch.net. Good morning.
1: Today, the sermon is going to be preached on. Chapter 2 in Titus, verse 1, but I'm going to read chapter 1, verse 9 through 2, verse 1. So if you'll please stand with me for the reading of God's word. If you're reading from the Black Bible that's in front of you, it's found on page 998. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Amen.
0: Good morning, Delta. It's good to be with you all this morning. Um, I, I love preaching, uh, especially at Delta. Uh, every chance I get, I and I'm available, I try to jump at the opportunity. A little hesitant this time, though, right? Uh, I get an email from Jonathan Davis saying, hey, uh, this was back in December, hey, would you preach uh, the beginning of March uh, Titus 2.1, one verse. Um, it's so I'm just like, one, one verse, what do, I, what do I do with that? Should we just like I don't know, should the band stay up there? <laughs> Maybe Todd, Todd just strum a little bit um, as I preach, uh, Charles on the organ, you know, in a, hit a high point, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's one verse, right? But I'm, when I got to think about it, I'm really glad that I just have one, one verse to preach on because this is a, a very, very important verse, only it's just a few words, but it's, it's really important. This statement we read in, in Titus, 2:1 was, was very, very important for Titus. Paul's writing to Titus: 2: one. It's very important for him. It was very important for the church in Crete. It's very important for the church throughout history. From Paul's day until now, this verse was very important. It's in, very important for us today in, in Delta. It's important for we individual believers. Um, to really understand this verse, we have to understand the context. And I'm glad my wife read uh, more than just two one. She she kind of led us into this, because Paul is writing to Titus. There's a lot of things going on in Titus's church, in Titus' community. Right? We just we just read not good things. I'm going, Paul Paul has just railed against certain people in Titus's life. He called certain people insubordinate. They're not listening to authority. They're not listening to instruction. He called many empty talkers. And, and you know the type, right? Someone who's just talking and not backing anything up. There were a lot of people who were deceiving others in Titus's community. They were upsetting whole families. So it wasn't just individuals who were getting upset. It was whole, whole entire families who were being upset by this false teaching. And, and those who were teaching these things were teaching for shameful, shameful gain. So they were self-serving in this. But Paul tells Titus, what does he say? He says, rebuke them sharply. Why rebuke them sharply? We read, so that they would believe rightly. So there's, there's hope in this, right? These people are, are teaching these bad things. Paul tells Titus, Titus, you preach right things and you rebuke them sharply so that they would come to the knowledge of the truth, so that they would not devote themselves to myths and just commands of unbelievers and heretics, See, there's hope that these people, these people can change. There's hope that these people can change. These people, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are defiled, detestable, disobedient, and Paul says they're unfit for any good work. I mean, that's a slam, right? That guy, he's, he's not fit for any, any good work. So Paul doesn't mince words. He's very direct about what he's saying. So Titus, there's a lot of trouble in Titus' community A lot of trouble in Titus's Titus's church. Paul is acknowledging these problems that Titus is having, but Paul doesn't leave Titus on his own. He gives Titus a solution, right? He gives him advice. Like, and I just imagine this like a a father does to his son. We read, you know, you you see what these other people are doing, but I want you to do. I want you to do this. My children are young, so they're not in school yet, but I anticipate the time when they're in school or when they're around others, and they come home and they're like, such and such or so and so acted this way. And we have to correct them. We say, I know that, that Billy is acting this way, but you act this way. We're, we're not like Billy. We, we, are, we are like Benjamin and Audrey. We're, we're Hubert, so act, act this way. Let's, let's be kind. So that's what Paul is doing. Paul says there's a bunch of jokers out there. There's heretics, there's heathens, there's hucksters, there's people who are, who are not living as they should. And Paul says, Titus, but you be a good pastor. And what does he say? What is the command that Paul is telling Titus? When we get to our text this morning, Titus 2.1, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine teach what accords with sound doctrine. Paul's remedy is really simple, right? He says he says one thing. There's one command in there, teach. Teach, a very simple command. Paul is saying that falsehoods, misrepresentations, and the other problems he just talked about can be cured simply by, by teaching. Teaching what? Teaching what accords with sound doctrine. So he, he just doesn't say, teach whatever. I want you to teach what accords with sound doctrine. Now, when I first read this, without really understanding the context, I read this verse, and I think it's a verse all about theology. And so in December when I got this email from Jonathan, I'm like, bam, this is going to be great. I'm just going to tell people you all need to be theological nerds and and, and learn, and theology is great, because that's that's a passion of mine. But but really, that's not what what Paul is telling Titus. He doesn't say teach sound doctrine, does he? In in a quick quick reading, we we could think that Titus, or Paul is just telling Titus, just teach, teach theology. No, he said, teach what accords with sound theology. Now, that's a weird way for, for someone to talk. We, we don't use that language, that which accords with, with something. But, but just thinking about the definition of, of, of accords with, think about it this way, what fits with, what belongs to, what corresponds to, instead of accords to. So we could say that, that Paul is telling Titus, he's not telling Titus, teach sound theology. He's not telling Titus, teach sound doctrine. Certainly this is something Paul wants for Titus. Certainly this is something Titus is doing. Certainly this is something Titus has, sound theology. But he says, teach what fits with, what belongs to, or what corresponds with sound theology. So to further prove this point, look at the rest of chapter 2. Jonathan's going to be spending some time in this Verse 2, older men ought to be sober-minded, dignified, self-control. Verse 3, older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine, et cetera. Et cetera. Paul is going to tell Titus how people should live, how Christians should live. So when we read verse 2, 1, if, if, if I had to, to translate this, what I would do is say, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine, and then put a colon right there. Because Paul's going to list a series of things of how Christians should believe, behave, how Christians should live, live their lives. So notice there's, there's two things going on there, right? Titus is telling, uh, I'm sorry, Paul is telling Titus that there's these people who are, who are disobedient, they're, they're not listening to your, your instruction, rebuke them. He says, but you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then he goes on to say how people should live. So really, there's, there's two things. If, if I could use some imagery, there's two rocks. There's, there's rock one, sound theology. That's its own thing, sound theology. What we read in Scripture, what we, what we find God revealing to us, that is sound theology. And this other thing, think two, is that which accords with sound doctrine. And again, we read, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. So we see that the cure for Titus is to take the good theology that he has, the sound doctrine, the right thinking, the right set of beliefs. Take that good theology that you've always taught, Titus, and I want you to apply that to the believer's lives because teach the right living and the behaviors that correspond with this doctrine. Now, just looking at verses, verse 2-1, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. That leads me to think that there is a relationship Going on here between thing one and thing two. There's a relationship between sound doctrine and right living. But I ask for you teach what accords with sound doctrine. Doctrine, what we believe, what we know, and what we stand, and how we live, our behaviors, our actions, our thoughts, and our lifestyle. So I want us to think about this relationship this morning. The relationship between sound theology, sound doctrine, and our behavior. And my main point this morning is is pretty simple, because the text is simple, right? My main point this morning is that our doctrine, that which we believe, which we know to be true, our theology, affects our behavior. Our doctrine affects our behavior. If I could say this another way, I'd say this, that what we believe affects how we live. What we believe, thing one, affects how we live, thing two. And I see this example, so many examples in in Scripture of how this is true. I mean, so the person writing this text is Paul. And if you know a little bit about, about Paul, you know that he was a persecutor of the church. Paul was not always a Christian. Paul was not always a believer. In fact, we read in Acts that he was there. He was persecuting the church. And when Stephen was stoned because of the Christian faith, who was there giving approval? Paul. Paul was there. But we read that God saved Paul, that God gave him new life, that Paul became a Christian. And in light of that, Paul got good theology, right? Paul got good theology. He, he met Christ. He, he knew that people needed Christ just like him. He had good theology. He knew that Jesus died for everyone. He had good theology. He knew that Jesus saves people. That's good theology. But also he knew that God will provide his every need. He also knew that living for God's glory is more precious than any earthly comfort because what did his beliefs drive him to do? We know Paul did not live a cushy life. Paul was stoned. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was persecuted. What drove him to that? It was his theology that people need Christ and that God would provide his every need even in the midst of his persecution, right? Paul's theology, his doctrine, his right thinking, what he saw true in Scripture, affected, deeply affected his behavior. And, and we even see this in non-spiritual matters, right? I mean, yesterday was a gorgeous day, and so we didn't have much, much to do other, other than me preparing the sermon. And so a man and I and the kids, we went to Menards and we got some seeds for, for our garden, and we we're going to start some seeds indoors. And it got me to think about gardening and so when we talk about spiritual matters, our doctrine affects how we behave. Even in non-spiritual matters, what we know to be true affects our behavior. So we're, we're going to plant a garden in, in May. And a good gardener, not saying we're good gardeners, a good gardener would know that there's a certain time you have to plant the seed. That's, that's knowledge, right? And so what does that cause a good gardener to do? Act that knowledge out. Plant that, cer- that seed at, at that certain time. A good, a good gardener will know intellectually that plants need water. And so a good gardener, if there's not enough water, that good gardener will water, water his garden. A good gardener will weed his garden. And I asked Amanda if I could <laughs> say this, but our garden is pretty weedy sometimes. And uh, Amanda, I love you, babe. And uh, <laughs> she, some people have a green thumb. <laughs> Whatever the opposite of that green thumb is, is, is what's on my, my wife's thumbs. <laughs> I know. No, we, we kid about this. We, we walk through Lowe's and all the plants are like, no, not Amanda. <laughs> Just kidding, we had, we had a good garden last year. It does get a little weedy. But a good gardener takes what she, he or she knows, knows to be true, and applies them, applies the, that set of beliefs to their lives, and it affects their behavior. So also, you look in the New Testament, the apostles. Legend has it that 11 of the 12 apostles died deaths of martyrdom. I mean, these guys were fishermen. They could have... They They could have lived a comfortable life just going about what they were doing fishing. But what did they do? They they knew Jesus Christ was Lord. They knew the whole earth needed to hear about it. That was the belief they had. And so what did they do? Their behavior was affected by that. They went out and lived what they believed. The early church. So we get after the New Testament. We have the early church in the Roman Empire. The emperor said, Christians, everyone, but even Christians, must sacrifice to Caesar. They must offer a sacrifice. But the early church, what did they know? They knew that God is one, that there is one God, and you should worship and serve him alone. They knew that. And so the behavior reflected that. Did they sacrifice to Caesar? No, they didn't. And many were killed because of that. That's, how much the, that's, that's the depth of their belief in Christ. That's the depth of their theology, and that led them To right behavior. See, brothers and sisters, the apostles, the early church, knew this concept that Paul is talking about. They knew this. Paul is telling Titus to let sound and good theology inform the behaviors that you teach. And by extension, Paul is telling the church to learn the behaviors that stem from sound doctrine. So, Delta, we see what Paul is telling Titus and we have to apply the same things to our own lives. So let's follow suit. My two subpoints this morning are this is first is we seek right behavior, right? Because we all want to behave correctly. We all want to live to God's go- glory. We all want to do what's right. So as we seek right behavior, let us know theology, right? Let us learn good theology. And my second point in knowing good theology, let us let us live accordingly. So as we seek right behavior, let us learn and know good theology. I think a good summary, uh, summary statement could be this, is that if you want to honor the Lord with your life, that, that you must know good theology. You must have sound doctrine. And I, I think I can prove this in a number of ways. If you look in the Old Testament, one of the most important verses in the, all, the, all the Old Testament for Israel and even today, uh, Jewish people today, they'll say this is one of the most important verses, is Deuteronomy 6.4. Deuteronomy 6.4 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Right now, that's a good statement of monotheism, that there is one God. And that you think of Israel's time, there were lots of other so-called gods, a lot of idols. It was good for Israel to hear that there is one God, and also that the true God is their God. That's a good statement of theology. That's a, that's a right doctrinal statement. And then it goes on to say this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So first, there's a statement to Israel: the Lord is one. That's a good doctrinal statement. Then, as a result of that, what shall you do? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and all your strength. Furthermore, we see in the Old Testament any time that God makes a covenant with Israel, how does it start? it always starts, it seemingly always starts with, like, I, I, God, am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So God is identifying himself. He's describing himself. He's giving Israel good theology, right, a right set of doctrinal beliefs so that right living would flow, would flow from that. We see this in the New Testament. You look at New Testament letters, specifically letters, and almost always the first part of the letter is, is doctrinal truth, This is true, this is true, this is true, and as a result, live this way, live this way, live this way. So let your doctrine inform your behavior. We call this the uh, indicative comes before the imperative. The indicative, that is which is true, true statements always come before how to live. So brothers and sisters, if we believe that our actions and behaviors flow from our doctrine, I believe that, I hope I've I've made that case to you, Um, the question is, do we know good theology? Do we know good theology? And I know there's a spectrum in here. There's some of us who are are new Christians, some of us who have been Christians for a long time. And the questions for for, for new Christians are you desiring to learn more and more and more for the first time? I I remember when I I was saved and starting taking my faith seriously, just that desire and the the need I had to learn more, learn more about God. And it was also new, it was also fresh. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're, you're a new believer and you've experienced that, man, leverage that. That's a sweet time in your life. That's a sweet time in your life. I think back to my, my freshman, sophomore, junior year in college, just the, the joy I had learning more and more about Christ. And that theology affected my behavior. And mature believer, <laughs> the boat really isn't that different from you. Are, you. are you learning? Do you have that desire to know theology? And as I'm, I'm going to try to make the point, it's not just knowing theology to know theology. It's not just knowing theology to win an argument. I mean, I'll confess, I'm, I'm sinful, and sometimes that's why I learn theology. It's like, how can I prove this person wrong? But, but really, knowing theology, the purpose is to live out our life properly, rightly, in a way that glorifies God. Now, I don't mean we have to be, like, working on a Ph.D. in theology. What I mean is, how, how do we get good theology? It's from God's word, right? This is our sole authority. We don't rely on experience. We don't rely on logic. We don't rely on philosophy. We don't rely on feelings. What do we rely on? We rely on God's word for our theology. So, my question to to, to, uh, we Christians in here and to myself especially are Am I in God's word? Am I learning good theology? Am I going deeply? Am I reading a lot? Am I knowing God's word? Do I know God's word? So let us be a people who are sound in doctrine because we know God's word. Let's be reading scripture regularly. Let's be reading scripture deeply. Let's read books. We cannot be silent. That's a great book about the need for evangelism and speaking the truth in a culture. Let's know good theology. And at the same time, I want to warn us and encourage us not to settle for junk theology. Because let me tell you, there's a lot of junk theology out there. It's been a long time since I've been in the book section at Walmart, but book, the book section at Walmart has a lot of junk theology. You turn on your TV to the Christian stations, there's a lot of junk theology. And don't settle for that. Don't settle for that. Settle for, it's not settling, but go to God's Word. Find the theology there. Let this influence your life. Just an example of how junk theology can affect the way you live. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, I was, there was a class I was in. It was like a mechanical drawing class. There weren't many of us in there, so there was a lot of conversations going on. And uh, there was a guy, he was older than me, and I remember saying him this. I don't know how serious he was about this. He might have just been, been joking, but, but the illustration is, is true. Uh, I don't think he was a Christian. He may have been a, an immature Christian, but he said this. He said, God, Jesus died to forgive me of my sins, so I can live however I want. And, and I'm pretty sure he, he meant that. He was applying that, that truth, truth wrongly, but to his life. And so what did he do? I mean, he lived like a, like a high schooler. So that bad theology, that false thinking, because we, we know it's false thinking because Paul later in the New Testament tells us, the uh, other believers that that is incorrect way of thinking, that influenced his life. His bad theology influenced his life negatively. So don't settle for junk theology. So Delta, let's know good theology. Take the time to read your Bible. Take the time to ask questions. Take the time to seek, seek out others in, in thinking through issues. My second point is this. In knowing good theology, in knowing good theology, let us live accordingly. So I want to encourage us to live according to our doctrine. And maybe this doesn't need to be said. Maybe you just knowing theology, no matter what, uh, it will affect your life. Certainly, I hope that's, hope that's true. But if you're like me, I'm pretty dense sometimes. And I forget things a lot. And I'm not just talking about like uh, an intellectual. Well, I, I forgot that fact. I'm talking about my heart. I, I forget the theological truth so that I know my heart forgets those. So I want to say this. I need to let my theology affect my behavior. I need to let my theology affect my behavior. So in what areas can theology affect my living? Well, I was just thinking through and the first is this. I want to encourage you to let theology affect your worship. Affect your worship. We we are very blessed by God in this church to have great musicians but also great musicians who know how to pick theologically sound, theologically deep songs. So let this affect your worship. Oftentimes I think that, that Christians in general, Christianity in general, sometimes they're not worshiping the God of the Bible. They're worshiping figments uh, of their own imagination. They're, they're applying what truths they think should be God should be like, and they're worshiping that. And also... Worship, so worship the God of the Bible, but also worship the God who saved you. Don't settle for, for songs that just kind of worship some amorphous being that has the label of God. That's why I love there is a fountain filled with blood. I mean, that's a very specific description of what Christ has done in your life. I asked Amanda this uh, it was last night or this morning. I'm like, honey, could you think of the most... Absurd uh, song you ever remember si- singing in your in your church life? I want to see see if we came up with the same song because I had had one stuck in my head, and she said it, and I'm like, that's exactly the song I'm thinking of. If you like this song, please don't be offended. But the song this was popular on WIBI or WCIC, whatever it is now, um, and we sang it in a church we were in previously, and it was "I'm a Friend of God." Um, you know, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, he calls me friend. Like, that's a true statement. I mean, I'm a friend of God. But do I need to say it three times and then just say, he calls me friend? But when we have the option of singing songs that have such theological depth, I mean, just, we just sang it. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. That's vivid imagery, right? And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. A song like that brings me to worship much more easily than a song saying, I'm God's, I'm God's friend, I'm God's friend, I'm God's friend. He calls, he calls me friend. So let your theology affect your worship. A, a theology class I, I took when I was in graduate school, it was the, kind of the introduction to theology. And... Um, I remember the professor, I don't know the exact words he said, but it made an impact on me. He's like, We can't study theology and not let it affect our lives. It has to affect our life. And one of the first things we studied in that class, or or what we studied midway through the class, were the attributes of God. So seeing how God describes himself in Scripture, and that's such an easy translation and transition into our worship. Because we're just saying that God, you are good, God, you're great, God, you're sovereign. So don't settle for weak theological songs. Band, Charles, Todd, Connor, everyone who leads in the band, thank you for, for choosing songs that are great and, and deep theologically because it does affect our worship. Second, let theology affect your prayer. And the same question, you, when you're praying, are you praying to the God of the Bible or are you praying to a God that, that you've crafted in, in whatever image you think he should be, be crafted? Do you pray to a weak, omnipotent, clumsy God who might not know the best things for you or who might not be able to get you out of your predicament or doesn't care for you? If you are, that's, the not, that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a sovereign, wise, all knowing, and loving God. That's the God of the Bible. He's not clumsy, he's not forgetful. He knows your situation. So let our theology affect our prayer life. Pray for the things that Scripture taught, tells us to pray for. I spoke with Jonathan last night. He just wanted to check in, see how I was doing for this morning. And he said, I've been reading in Jeremiah. And he talks about Jeremiah just not being able to keep the words of God within him, that they just got to get out, they got to get out. and So he prayed that for me. That's, a, that's something that Scripture is telling us about. Jonathan prayed that for me. And we know that those words are true because it's in Scripture, right? So if you're praying what Scripture says, that's, that's a very good thing. And pray how Scripture teaches us to pray. So let, let our theology affect our prayer. Thirdly, let theology affect your evangelism. If, if our, our theology is this, that, that God is our creator, that God is righteous and God is just, and God will punish sin, and our theology tells us that man is sinful by birth and by choice. And our theology tells us that this is a problem. So having those theological truths, should that affect our behavior? Should that affect how we live? Of course it should. It should affect who we're telling uh, about Christ. It should, it should lead us to our, our knees praying for the lost. And, and does it, listen, I'm, I'm one of the first to confess that I am slow to speak about Christ. In my workplace, I'm slow to speak about Christ to my coworkers, to my neighbors, to my friends. because there's a divide between my theology and my behavior. I need to let my theology affect my behavior in evangelism. And lastly, just, just let theology affect your day-to-day life, how you live. And this is, there's so many ways that our doctrine affects our behavior in this way. You know, just think about, about living with hope. The past two weeks, three weeks, sometimes I think two years, five years have been hard at work. Just hard at work. I remember sometimes coming home and being like, does God even know what he's doing? What am I, what am I doing here? And see, I, I forget. There's a divide between my theology and my behavior. If I were really letting my behavior flow from my theology, I would let my theology, inform my behavior by knowing that God is wise, that he knows the exact best goals for me for my life, and he knows the exact best route to get me there. So when I come home from work and I have an awful day, and I think, God, what are you doing? I have to ground myself in scripture and in theology, knowing that God knows exactly what is best for me. And therefore, that gives me hope, right? Because no matter what I go through, I know that God is somehow using that for his glory and my good, in my life. So scripture teaches me that God is sovereign in good. Scripture teaches me that there's a great future ahead of us for those who trust in Christ. So when I have a bad day at work, I can do two things. I could say, come Lord Jesus, you know, end this all now. Or I could say, God, I trust in your goodness and your sovereignty. Help me to believe in that and help me to get up the next day and go to work trusting in those two things. So my theology affects my behavior, or at least it should. And that's why I'm preaching this this morning, because oftentimes we say two different things, theology, behavior, when really our behavior flows from our theology. There are so many more areas, brothers and sisters, and I could stand up here for a long time going through each individual area of how our behavior could be changed by what we, what we believe But we don't have the time. And so I want to conclude with this that our situation, 2017, Springfield, Illinois, our situation might not be the same, the exact same as Titus's. Might not be the exact same. We might not be battling false teachers. We might not be battling wayward congregants, but we are all in a spiritual battle day to day. And I think we all agree with that, right? We're all in a spiritual battle day to day. Whether it's with Satan or just trying to to go through life amidst opposition from, from others, we're in a battle day to day. And the cure is the same for us as it was for Titus. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Learn what accords with sound doctrine. And I want to end today with one of the greatest sets of theological truths that I could think of, that man, excuse me, that God is holy and just. And he will punish sin. And that man is sinful, therefore man will be punished. But the greatest theological truth is this, that Christ Jesus came in this world to save sinners. To save sinners like you and me, he lived a perfect life. He kept God's law perfectly. He died a death that we deserved. We deserve to be crucified and dead because of our sin. Jesus took God's wrath upon himself. We should have borne that wrath. And why did he do those, these things? He did so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have a relationship with God, so that we can have peace with God. And our response is this, so that anyone who will come to Christ, repent of their sins and trust in Christ for salvation, will be saved. And Jesus, these are some of the sweetest words I think Jesus ever speaks. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you want to hear more about these theological truths, I'm going to be in the back. So I pray band's going to come up and I'm going to pray that we would apply our theology that we would have good theology and that our life would be changed because of it I love you Delta so let's know good theology know good doctrine and let's live accordingly let's pray Father I thank you for the salvation we have in your son Jesus Christ God we do not deserve the grace that you've shown us God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in here, and I pray for myself, Lord. Would we let our theology affect our behavior? God, we want to please you. We want to honor you. We want to have behavior that, that, that gives you glory. So, Lord, give us good theology, and let those theological truths just flow, flow out and change the way we live and may it always be for your glory. God, I pray that there's someone in here that doesn't know you that they would repent of their sins and trust in you and may that this greatest theological truth be applied to their lives lord we love you we thank you for this time we thank you for the cross it's in jesus name we pray amen